This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 57. Today, our special guest is Tim Arnold, author of The Power of Healthy Tension, Overcoming Chronic Issues and Conflicting Values. Tim shares his insights and experiences leveraging polarity thinking personally in a multitude of settings and with various leadership teams. Don't miss it. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking the missing logic in healthcare to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Hi, everybody. It's Tracy. And Michelle. And here we are again for another awesome podcast. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just love doing these. We do. We do. We have so much fun (laughs) and we get to interview such awesome people. And today we had another phenomenal interview. (laughs) You probably get tired of hearing us say that, but they are all phenomenal. (laughs) They are. We really feel so blessed to um, have these incredible guests on our podcast. We do. Yeah. And today we interviewed Tim Arnold Mm -hmm. and he's just a kindred spirit, right? Just a, a fellow polarity thinker. Yeah. And he's just so genuine and warm and easy to be around and talk to. And it's been a while since we connected with him. It has been. Yeah. We actually uh, were with him in person at a workshop probably over a year ago for sure. Oh, yeah. It's been a couple of years, Michelle. (laughs) I know time time is just marching by. (laughs) Yeah. It's been been quite a while, actually, since we were with him. So it was really great to reconnect. It was. It was. And we are very much um, aligned with how much leaders need these skills, so it's kind of great to have that same, you know, perspective and kind of sense of urgency of getting these messages out there for leaders. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about Tim Arnold. Tim is the president of Leaders for Leaders, and he is an he's an author, as Michelle mentioned. Uh, he has a book called The Power of Healthy Tension. And Tim has spent over two decades actually helping organizations unite teams, spark change, and get unstuck. And his clients include the United Nations, Citibank, KPMG, Toyota, and Siemens. And he leverages his experience launching successful businesses, social enterprises, and community development programs to bring a real-world perspective to his clients. Now, with advanced degrees in both business and social justice, he's able to help organizations pursue not, well, pursue both profit and purpose. Clarity. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond leadership and team development, Tim is an avid outdoorsman, world traveler, and a really bad hockey player. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which makes me want to see him play hockey. Yeah, me too. <laughs> his biggest accomplishments are being a dad to two children and a husband to his wife, Becky. So without further ado, here's our interview with Tim Arnold. Well, welcome, Tim. We are so, so excited to have you on the show today. Yes, we are. It's so good to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's really an honor to have a, a colleague from the north, <laughs> from Canada with us today. So um, we always kind of like to just start out with just a little bit about you and tell our, our listeners where you live in Canada and like what's a must see in your mm-hmm. area. Great, great question. Well, I live in a little village called Jordan Station, which is only an hour from Toronto and about 20 minutes from Niagara Falls. So obviously Niagara Falls is a great place to see, but I would say if you're coming down this way, the hidden treasure is you actually go down river from the falls into a beautiful town called Niagara on the lake. And Niagara on the lake is full of um, cool climate wineries. It's got a wonderful um, Shaw Festival theater Right now, all of the cherry and uh, trees are in blossom, so it's it's a uh, it's a little hidden gem in the Niagara region. And I would agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the last time we saw you, that was a recommendation, and Michelle and I yeah. went there. And Michelle had never even been to Niagara Falls, no. and it was beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and so it. That, and we it, decided it, then we want to come back someday with our husbands and spend more time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, that's a little fun tidbit about you, but tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. You've got quite a diverse background. You've worked with a lot of different leaders and a lot of different organizations. So just tell our audience a little bit about who you are. Sure. Um, so I have, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm north of the border, I'm a, a proud Canadian and uh, have lots of family and friends south of the border. So I spend lots of time um, in your neck of the woods as well. But uh, I, um, yeah, I've had a, a, a really fun last few decades of working with organizations. I started out after my business degree doing more um, consulting in the leadership development world and in a team development world. Um, Some of that was outdoor adventure based. So, you know, when I was in my teens and early 20s, I was kind of a high ropes instructor and an outdoor guide. And that evolved into more classroom settings. Uh, And then I, after about 10 years of working with organizations and you know, everything from small businesses um, right to a three-year partnership with the United Nations. Um, I sold my company and made a bit of a 180 by um, taking on the executive director role of a 40-bed homeless shelter. Um, and from there, I spent uh, nine years. I thought it was going to be just a short-term um, opportunity, but it turned out to be nine, nine wonderful years of my life um, running a shelter that also had a um, really great uh, recovery program and we were partnered with um, the um, detox and a number of treatment programs um, with our health system. Um, So I did that and uh, slowly worked my way out of that role and uh, a few years ago officially was back to a volunteer at the shelter, um, which has allowed me now again to get more into the world of um, consulting and uh, helping organizations Um, still in this space of leadership and team development, but really focused on 
looking at it from more of a polarity lens and uh, managing some key tensions um, so they can tap into resiliency and results that maybe they didn't even know was possible. Yeah. Wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. We're so lucky that. to have him here. We are. We are. Well, Tim, before we get started, we just want to do a check-in with you and just see how you and your family and your organization, you know, how you've been doing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Great question. And it's such a, a loaded question because I feel like I could answer it about six different ways. Uh, the optimist and the, I mean, I think the kind of discipline of gratitude would certainly uh, pushed me to say that there's been wonderful things that have been happening the last few months. Um, we've, you know, had family time that I wouldn't trade for the world. Um, I've been able to take on a role with my kids um, as a homeschool teacher at times and as a, you know, adventure guide outside. And, you know, we've had some really great times. It's also, I think, pushed me in my organization to really examine what is it that I can offer that can really, truly help? And really ask the question, why am I not just doing that all the time? <laughs> um, so there's been some great things, even things as simple as, you know, when all of a sudden you're not traveling with work and even driving to the office, the peace that comes in the mornings and the rituals that I try to maintain, but now is becoming quite normal. It's been great. So Lots of silver linings and lots of challenges. Um, I'm an extrovert, so the uh, there's days where I just crave whatever the opposite of social distancing is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, as a keynote speaker and a you know a workshop provider, you, you know a lot of that work historically had been in person. So lots of business challenges, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big mixed bag, but overall I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. we we feel some of that same, same experience with our work and having, um, you know, having events cancel and just having to pivot and work in different ways and appreciating really all the blessings we do have right now. So we can really relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's so exciting to be with you and, you know, be with a kindred spirit and a fellow polarity thinker as well. Um, as you know, Missing Logic, we're really focused in the healthcare industry and working with healthcare leaders. So we have the leadership thing in common and we're really helping them living, live more balanced and resilient lives. That's really been our focus. And we're using a unique combination of strategies that we call the dynamic balance effect. And um, one of the pillars is about managing tensions and really helping bring that polarity lens to healthcare leaders. Um, so tell our listeners how you first were introduced to polarity thinking. Um, what was your journey around that, Tim? Oh, it was, it was uh, really a really interesting thing that landed me in that space. I was, um, again, doing more outdoor adventure-based training. I had a, a multi-module contract with a large bank in Canada, and uh, they wanted to do some high ropes and all this experiential training, but they said they really wanted it to be based on uh, managing complexity. And they said they wanted me to work with this kind of um, new book called Polarity Management. And they asked me if I could do that. And of course, they said, of course, I can do that. Uh, it led me to uh, grab the book and, uh, you know, quickly skim that and pick up the phone with, at that time, Polarity Management Institute. Um, and who answered the phone but Dr. Barry Johnson. 
And I'm convinced that that was not by chance. And, you know, the, the next kind of step in that journey was he said, Tim, you know, you're not going to believe this, but I'm doing this intensive development experience and it's only six people and someone just backed out. Um, so six days later, I was in uh, Barry's living room uh, with a small group of others. And again, I was doing this just so I could get almost like the certification so I could bring this to my clients. Um, but I would say 15, 20 minutes into that morning when Barry started to talk, uh, I just I just had this sense inside me to pay attention because this this is bigger than you ever imagined. I mean, to an, even an emotional level, I started to feel this stir of emotion. I kept thinking, what on earth? Um, but yeah, I look back and I have such grateful and I'm just so grateful that um, all of that aligned so that I was, um, again, I went to get this business tool and it turned out to just open up this brand new chapter of living and experiencing and seeing life at a different level. And so, yeah, that's how it started. And, you know, that now would have been about 15, 16 years ago. And uh, it's fundamentally changed my life, my relationships, my work. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Isn't that amazing? Like, it's just, you know, it's just meant to be, right? Like, yeah. you're just meant to connect with those people, to have them give you that book, to like just the tumblers are clicking, right? And then it just takes you down this path you never expected to go down or had any awareness even existed, right? And I think it was right the same for us when we met Barry. And I mean, I was tearing up as you were talking. It's just (laughs) like, it's such a profound way of thinking and it has such a significant impact on anybody who takes the time, right, to, to embrace it. Yep. Um, and I, and, you know, so when we first met you, you had just published your book hmm. and it's called the power of healthy tension, overcome chronic issues and conflicting values. And what I love in the book in the very beginning, I think it's in the introduction and you say, you just lay it right out there, right? You're either going to be all in on this or close the book right now. And I just love that because that's how mm-hmm. we feel too. Yeah. This isn't, this really isn't an option for anybody. Like, <laughs> come on, folks. This, this is key, critical skill and competency yeah. every individual needs to have if they want to have, you know, sustainable success in their life and in their work. And I just love that you were just so put it out there. That. Just put it out there. Be bold. But for you, <laughs> <laughs> be bold, tell it like it is, Tim. <laughs> Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what really, um, what was your motivation? What was your inspiration in writing the book? Hmm. Do you know, it was, it was interesting because I, I, I mean, we've talked before. I wouldn't ever feel like I'm a natural author. I've never really aspired to write. I don't love the writing process. Um, and yet I, when I moved from corporate consulting into the shelter and there was this naive part of me that went, Oh, I guess I'm leaving all this polarity stuff behind. You know, I guess that chapter's closed. (laughs) It was only a matter of weeks where I realized, Oh no, that was actually just my training ground. Like that was just preparing me to actually now live this out in a space that I, I was experiencing was incredibly underdeveloped in recognizing key tensions and managing them well. And, you know, I, I went on to, you know, in that first year to constantly think, I don't know what I would do 
or if I could even make it had I not had this understanding, these tools, this perspective, and and would have really felt responsible to at least share that. Again, maybe um, not in a deep theoretical level, but just on an awareness level of what we were experiencing. Um, so other providers, um, and not just in shelters, but in healthcare, I would say folks that are just trying to make a difference really in kind of hard territory, but they stay in there because they know that they're, they're committed to making a difference. I wanted to share the fact that, you know, this lens of polarity thinking, it's just, it's not, it's not just interesting and it's not just helpful. It's foundational. Um, so that's really what led the book to be uh, written. Uh, can't agree with you more. No, no. <laughs> it is foundational, right? Right. And um, and things things do get hard, right? And it is. I think it is what brings the resilience for you is just to know that this tension is okay, right? And just yeah. to keep moving, keep taking that step, one step at a time forward. And, yeah, and that it's totally possible to, you know, make a difference and enjoy life. And so that's kind of where, again, where we're focusing on is helping these leaders remember they can still enjoy life in the middle of all of this. Love it. I love it. That is actually not an either or that, you know, the way this is supposed to work is that those things reinforce each other. I love it. You guys got to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, in the book, you use a metaphor of surfing and rip currents to kind of introduce your readers kind of to this notion that not every challenge is a problem that can be solved and our typical logical ways of, of approaching challenges don't always work and that there's sometimes you have to look at it totally differently and um, and some things have to be managed more than just head-on sol- you know solutions. And um, so can you tell our listeners a little bit about that metaphor and how that came to be? I think it's such a Super. great, great yeah, metaphor. Yeah, I was, you know, 10 years after our uh, undergrad uh, my university roommates, we decided we we're going to have a little reunion and we signed up to do a week of surf school. So we went to Southern California um, and uh, we were pumped because we had, we had guarantee that by the end of the week we'd be surfing. Um, and of course the picture in my mind looked quite different than the picture of reality, but uh, it was a great week. What was interesting though was the very first morning our instructor lined us up along the edge of the water, but he wouldn't let us go in. He said, gang, before you go in, here's the question. He goes, you know how this works, right? You're going to swim out. You're going to find a good wave and you're going to try to ride it in. We're nodding our head. Yes. He said, well, here's the thing. If the waves are always bringing the water into shore, how does the water get back out? And there was a bit of a silence. Everyone's kind of looking at each other and he says, think about it. If the waves bring water in, how does the water get back out? What he was trying to have us understand is, you know, our gut, our conventional wisdom or knowledge is that, yeah, the, the way things work is that the tide and the waves come in. But we, what we don't often think about is that, well, that water's got to go somewhere. And, you know, what he introduced to us was this, this concept of a riptide or a rip current. And he said, yeah, that, that water comes in. You get that. But what you probably don't know is that that water actually pools along the shore and it forms this riptide that literally is a river that flows perpendicular to shore. It flows right out into the ocean. And he said, I'm telling you this because, you know, uh, and I mean, what he said actually happened to me once. It was exactly as he explained. He said, you're going to be swimming out, going with what you know, riding against the waves. You're going to lift your head and you're going to be probably three to four times farther out into the ocean than you thought you'd be. 
And he said, everything in you is going to want to just swim to shore. But he said, don't do it. He says, you can't beat a riptide. Actually, the harder you go in the direction you think you need to go, the further you'll go the opposite way. He said, it just won't work. So, you know, he taught us to pivot, to actually, again, it didn't feel right, but to, to turn parallel to shore for a while, you know, to swim along until you're out of that riptide. And then you can kind of go back with what you know. You can kind of run to shore. And, you know, the, the, the metaphor that I took from that, because that was right in the time when I was introduced to this way of thinking, was that most of us face the waves every day. And we know how it works. I mean, I, I would say there are problems to solve. And research would say, you know, most leaders solve between two and 300 problems a day. And you know what? We eye it up. We decide how we're going to deal with it. We sign off. We move forward. And that's a good thing. Problem solving is yep. key. The interesting thing, though, is that, as you know, there are other situations that we face as leaders that are not problems to solve, but polarities or tensions to manage. And if we treat those situations as if they were a problem to solve, even though we have great intentions, we actually find ourselves going the opposite way of the very thing we're trying to achieve. You know, it, it just doesn't work. And as you know, and your work is so good at helping people understand, we have to pivot. We have to keep solving problems well, but we have to identify these tensions or these polarities and learn to lead in a different way, learn to have different kinds of conversations, learn to um, go beyond decision-making at kind of an either-or binary level and take it to another level that's focused on higher purposes. Um, I'll just close that off by saying what was really cool is as the week progressed at surf school, I also noticed every single morning um, the good surfers would show up, the legit surfers, and they would, they would study the water too before they went in. But unlike me, I looked for the riptides and tried to avoid them. They actually looked for them so they could embrace them. You know, they would jump into them. I would work so hard to fight the waves to get to one good wave. Well, they would ride the riptides out. And they'd be on their fifth or sixth wave by the time I got to my first. They took something I feared and they leveraged it for their advantage. And, you know, the, the big idea that I constantly am encouraging myself, my team, my friends, my colleagues is, again, the, the, the reality of tensions or polarities, I use the word tension a lot, is that we think that we need to avoid it. Tension's bad. You know, ignore it, avoid it, change the subject. But again, if we can instead leverage it, lean into it, all of a sudden it just takes us to a whole new level of effectiveness. That is such a great metaphor and story. Mm -hmm. It really is. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. And I think you said too, right, in your book, right, it, tension is your greatest ally. Yeah. It right? It's your biggest asset. It really tells you where you're at. <laughs> it does. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, Tim, um, when you work with business and organizational leaders, you know, what are a few of the most common tensions that they struggle with? Well, what's interesting is, is I find that if you get into specific organizations, there's always kind of sub subcategories that are like, yeah. oh, this is really real for healthcare, or this is super true for, you know, for profit or finance or pharma. But I found that as I've worked and consulted in a lot of different spaces, for profit, not for profit, government, there's some that just float to the top no matter what. And in my experience, you know, one of those would be embracing change 
you know, embracing the benefits of innovation, but not doing that to the neglect of holding on to tradition and core values and making sure we're known for something and good at it. You know, that change, stability, polarity. Another one that I feel surfaces constantly in leadership, no matter what world you're in, is how do I, in a world where I'm constantly taking care of others, helping my team, helping my clients, helping my, my vision, my mission, how do I carve out time to care for myself? You know, it's that self-others tension. And the other, the other one that I feel always seems to show up, I mean, on the highest level, I think we often refer to it as focusing on the part and focusing on the whole. But in a day-to-day level, what that looks like is, you know, how do I, you know, invest in my team, but also make sure my team is connected with what's going on at the organizational level? Um, or, you know, at a micro level, how do I, you know, invest in the team, but also invest in the individuals within the team and make it both individually focused, but also team focused. And that idea of the part in the whole, it just always seems to be there. Yeah, that's one of the mother polarities, right? One yeah. of the overarching, <laughs> and it shows up in a lot of different ways in organizations, communities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we can really relate to the leadership one of others and self. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, this evening, Tracy and I are doing a webinar series for healthcare leaders, and that's really the chronic tension we're going to be talking about because it's so important right now, and it's part of our way of giving back, like you said earlier, Tim, and that's just that's such a key one right now, taking care of others and taking care of you know myself. How do I take care of myself through this? Totally. So... We love, uh, we love how you really introduced to us the term crux tension in your book, and we use it quite a bit as well, because it's like, what are those key crux tensions? And um, give, you know, what advice would you give to people in identifying their crux tensions? Yeah, so the, the, the term crux tension, I actually borrowed it from the world of rock climbing. You know, if you're, if you're a rock climber, you, you go to a new climbing area, normally you research it ahead of time. And you know there's one or two classic climbs you have to jump on. Well, normally you found it because there's lots of local climbers around it. And you ask them, okay, I'm going to try this climb. What's the crux move? And what that means is, you know, between where I'm standing on the ground and where I want to go, maybe 100 feet in the air, there's a lot of moves I got to make. Footholds, handholds, body movements. But there's probably only one or two that are make it or break it. And if you as an expert or a local can say, you know what, Tim, it's right there. And then I can just put all my energy into those one or two moves. I don't actually have to worry about the rest. And, you know, what I found when I was starting to learn about polarities and then I started to get into a bit of research around it is that whether your listeners know it or not, they're managing an incredibly long list of polarities and tensions. And you may not have name for them, but you're managing them. And it's not helpful for me to give you that list of 30 or 40 tensions and say, hey, good luck with that. You know, it's overwhelming. What I found is that, and I found this for me in the homeless shelter, I found this with every client I've worked with. Out of that extensive long list, there's normally a short list of, I would say, two to five that you would say, you know what, for us, this is make it or break it. You know, it doesn't mean you're dealing with it necessarily poor or well. It just means that it feels like there's not a day that goes by that we're not sensing or feeling this tension. You know, it's in our team meetings. It just keeps surfacing and over and over. And I would say, 
you know, rather than overwhelm yourself, just say, hey, as an organization or in our team, we are going to be unapologetically and unabashedly committed to managing this short list of crux tensions well. And in the process, the rest probably will manage themselves just fine. So, you know, the encouragement I, I have to anyone I work with is spend the time to identify that short list, two, three, maybe four, five at the very most of crux tensions, and, and it's going to serve you well. Yeah. And I think that's what yeah. we've done with our dynamic balance effect, too. Yeah. And as we think about helping leaders become more resilient and balanced in their life, there's just that core group, right? That core group of tensions that, you know, everybody is going to be managing Absolutely. and really trying to help them get strong. And then I think the other thing is, you know, uh, um, polarity stack on top of each other anyway, right? We know right? Just like there's the bigger, broader part and whole mother polarity. There's a number of those that sit underneath that one. If you address one, you're more than likely going to get the benefits of addressing the other because your action steps, right, uh, can work to the benefit of more than one pull. So I agree with you. I think, you know, and I always kind of say, what's that? What's the kingpin, right? What's the one thing if you give most of your attention to it, right, you're going to see the biggest benefit. Focus there first, see what you, you know, what additional outcomes you get, and then then you can turn your attention. Once you get that well managed and you've got your action steps in place, then turn your attention to the another one. Like, what's the next thing now? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's 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 good strategic planning when you think about <laughs> it. Yeah, you know, it's you have a strategy to deal with the tensions sure as well. So, and then you really get closer to your desired outcomes and more sustainable outcomes, which is equally important. So, you know, Tracy and I, we've really been enjoying working with individuals and with groups virtually in person, introducing them to polarities as well. And what we've noticed is that over time, when you're working with a group, really the magic and then all of a sudden you have a common language of what to call things and how that even mobilizes really goals further. What's been your experience around common language? We know you had some with the, um, with the shelter, but just tell our listeners what that's really like when you have a common language. Oh, it's so important. Like it goes back to the idea of a crux tension because your team is already feeling these polarities. They're feeling the tension, but you know, again, research would say in most cultures, we assume that if we're experiencing tension, something's wrong. You know, I'm wrong, you're wrong, we're doing our work wrong. So as a result, we avoid it or it results in a lot of emotional negativity. But if all of a sudden we are able to say, no, gang, these are the good tensions. These are the ones that, you know, all of a sudden now the villain doesn't become kind of the person who might be on the other side. It's like, oh, now you're my ally because the, you know, we would go so far as to say, gang, I'll give you an example. You know, we, 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 in our shelter, uh, we had coaches, which worked with our homeless friends one-on-one and we had our managers that managed the floor, you know, 40 people, staff, volunteers. And it felt like there was this wrestling match between our managers saying, well, you know, we have this value on the wall called fairness. Well, that's consistency. You know, that means that there's no favoritism. People know what host rules are. People know what's expected of them. We're secure. We're safe. You know, fairness is consistency. And, but then you'd have coaches, you know, voice, wait a minute. 
fairness isn't that everyone gets the same thing. Fairness is that people get what they need. And, you know, I'm dealing with people, you know, what I would ask of this person would be completely inappropriate to ask of this person based on their experience of trauma or maybe a cultural sensitivity that fairness is actually, when it comes down to it, all about individuality. And it felt like we were constantly wrestling back and forth until finally we said, gang, maybe fairness is both. And I'm going to go so far as to say maybe that word that's framed in the wall, that beautiful word fairness, until we get comfortable wrestling with this ongoing tension between individuality and consistency, that's just a word. It's not a value that we're living out. And, you know, I, we, we went as far as to, and, and two things I'd say. One is once you have that language, you're like, oh, so it's both. You know, fairness is consistent and individual. And we'd say, you know, gang, if we're having a staff meeting and we're not feeling this tension, something's wrong. Like this is the business we're in. So I want to use this language. We train all our staff in orientation. Hey, there's this short list of tensions and you better be ready for them. You know, <laughs> you need to be fluent in them because we talk about these all the time. We even would do that in our orientation for volunteers. You know, I'd say with the front desk volunteer, and I wouldn't do an in-depth training. It would just be a quick awareness level. But you're, I'd say if you're here more than a month, you will experience this tension. So I just want you to be, I want you to be familiar with it. Feel free to talk about it. Um, and that language, it's so unifying. And it actually aligns us towards this kind of common vision and unified vision on, okay, we're going to manage this well. Yeah, it ties it back to that higher purpose, to that value. Sure and does. I think it gives people a way to describe what they felt for a long time, but they didn't know what to call it. Right. Absolutely. Right. And that's what we hear a yeah. lot of times like, oh man, this just makes so much sense. I've been I've been recognizing this. I know that it's there, but I don't know what to call it and I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, and, and I mean that's one thing I'd say to anyone who's listening. You know, the great thing about bringing polarity thinking to organizations is it's not like, you know, bringing Six Sigma or a whole new people actually already know this stuff. They just haven't been given the gift of language and they haven't been given the, the space to to make it happen. But, you know, you start to introduce just some of these basics concepts and folks are like, oh, my gosh, I, I live with I do this every day. You're like, exactly. So let's name it and let's yeah. actually be committed to be deliberate about managing it well. Um, so the, the buy-in is immediate because folks are already there. Yeah. yeah. And I know, you know, for Michelle and I as, well, we're not new entrepreneurs anymore. We've been in business for a couple of years. But, <clears throat> but one of the things we did right away when we, you know, we started to establish our business was identify the crux polarities that we were going to run into as business partners and in our business, right? right? Yeah. So that when we would bump into those tensions, we would know what it is, right? Mm -hmm. And then we could course yeah. correct or we could have a conversation about what we're experiencing, why we're experiencing, how it's tied to the things that we value as a company, we value as individuals. And it just made such a difference. I think it's just yeah. really helped us describe our journey. <laughs> walking the talk. Talk too, right? Yeah, it's manage so it, awful. right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, we we haven't really lived in that space for quite a while, right? Where everybody kind of is, you know, had the same language, understands the polarizing opposites, and 
We've kind of been living in the downside of polarization, I think. Well, for sure here in the United States and and I would say probably, uh, you know, in other countries globally as well, right? There's been a lot of polarizing things happening and a lot of people with, again, just, you know, values, um, biases, things they hang on to because of their experiences, because of their beliefs or whatever reason. Um, and they, they are not aware of this as much as we would hope they would be. And, um, so just share a little bit about your your hopes and what you believe could be so different if we did spread this word and people could embrace the both and instead of just <clears throat> hanging on to the either or. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would be, um, you know, frustrated and hopeful. I'm, I'm frustrated because I think current reality and, you know, the the you know, human nature is that we have this confirmation bias, right? We want to be affirmed in our beliefs, but until the last few decades, we haven't had the ability to affirm our values and beliefs through kind of choosing our news source through cable, um, liking things on social media. So we get affirmed in that point of view 50 times a day. And, and as a result, I think that we have move towards more of a choosing sides, pick a tribe, either or, than I've experienced in my life. And and it's frustrating um, because it doesn't work. And I think we all see that. And yet it feels like it's a bit of a spiral. I believe, though, it's, it's interesting. I was just thinking about this recently. I said, you know, we, we, we've kind of seen this with millennials. Millennials actually noticed that this whole American or Canadian dream of working hard so that you can enjoy retirement was a myth, right? Like it was, it was a, it wasn't. And as a result, they just said, no way, we're not doing it. We have different expectations. We have different workplace um, experiences. I think the same is going to hold true for the next generation. I don't know what we're called. What's, what's the post-millennial generation? What's that? I don't even know what it's called, but whatever. The, we'll call them the, the COVIDers or whatever. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's going to be a group of them, I'm sure. <laughs> but <laughs> but I honestly believe, know the theory, Tim, is there's going to be divorces or babies. So we're going to have one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> I'm convinced and I'm hopeful that there is a generation coming up that are looking at this political reality we're living in, in this binary pick-a-side approach that we're generally settling for. And they're just going to say, it's a joke. It doesn't work. And there's got to be a better way. And I believe that they'll push us to actually kind of embrace some, some common sense and to look at different ways of dealing with each other and different ways of addressing issues. And it, I, I think it'll happen and it'll happen because right now this is just not okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm of the belief that all of this is happening for a reason. Mm. And I think sometimes things happen so it can shine a light on what's not working and, um, you know, open up the doors and opportunities for us to begin to shift those perspectives, to be more open to right. other perspectives, to heighten our awareness. I kind of feel like... <clears throat> This is a this is a reset, right, for the world. I mean, never have we before experienced anything as a species like this, right? right. Globally. And so I think there's great opportunity in it. And I think, you know, to your point earlier, you know, I think Michelle and I just feel, you know, like obliged to get out and scream from the rooftops. 
there's a way to look at this. There's a way to manage this. There's a, you know, there's a different yeah. way. There's a different way. There's a different way because what I've seen is a lot of barriers have, are starting to crumble, right? And a lot of doors are opening mm-hmm. and there's a lot more awareness. And so, you know, I think we just have to bring the message that, they, that you know, there there is another way and there's a way that we can come together and honor each other's perspectives and move forward to, you know, achieve those things that we all value highly, right? Those greater purposes. Yeah. And I think, I think the the key to that, and I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit trail, but the piece that I will say to anyone who will listen is that the way is not by feeling like we have to give up our points of view. No. We have to give up our values. You know, I think it was Dr. Barry Johnson who said to me, there's a huge difference between exchanging and expanding. Yeah. And we're not looking for folks to mm-hmm. ex- exchange their political perspectives or exchange their their values. It's like you can hold on to those because they're good. What you can also do is expand it. And right. you can see things from a bigger, greater, more inclusive perspective. And it's a win-win. Right. Yeah, we get that is. complete picture versus the accurate picture, right? right. And it's, a, it's a game changer. It really yeah. is when you understand it. And I just think that... Um, the timing of of the you know the application of polarities in the world right now and Barry's coming out you know with new books and we're actually going to be interviewing him this week as well with what's happening you just get that sense like we're entering into a new age and it's going to be a critical skill for people to understand mm-hmm. and to really manage their life with yeah and there are some key i think there are some crux polarities that are showing up right now right in the midst of the covid pandemic what what have your been your observations about that what do you see showing up mm. yeah there's been a few that i feel i've been talking about on a daily level and uh, i mean one is um the the polarity of being optimistic and realistic um there's great research on that in jim collins work in the book good to great he talks about the stockdale principle but this idea of I don't want to be either optimistic or realistic. I want to be fully both. You know, I want to know that there is a hope and a picture of the future that I am going to um, experience. And this will all help me experience it better. And I need to face the kind of brutal facts of reality right now. And, you know, helping individuals, leaders, their teams not live in one camp, but actually, you know, have a foot in both spaces. That would be one. The, the, I mean, certainly we talked about this change stability um, being kind of everywhere. Right now it's interesting because I don't feel like there's a day that goes by that someone's not explaining to me how they're pivoting their business. You know, I'm pivoting, I'm making it virtual or I'm meeting a new client and that's great. Again, what that means is if we're going to be deliberately embracing change, we need to be just as deliberate and holding on to tradition and core values. How do I make sure that when I emerge from all this, people don't forget who I was and what I offer? How do I make sure I don't kind of slowly but surely step aside from my core values and those things that we're committed to? So, you know, change stability. You know, I I would also say that, you know, we talked about care for self, care for others, but I find that right now, how people were managing that two months ago isn't working anymore. You know, even, even in... You know, and, and sometimes it's extremes. I, I have friends that are, you know, at the front line of the response in long-term care facilities. And I mean, they're working, you know, 15, 16 hours a day, going home to live in a trailer so that they're not 
bringing things home to their family. Um, you know, they, they don't even feel like they have an, an hour in the day. Um, and, and, and yet, as we all know, there's got to be something that allows us to care for ourselves. He was just chatting with someone the other day. They said, you know, one way I'm managing that tension is before every shift, I take 10 minutes to get a cup of tea and to look out the window and breathe. And that 10 minutes right now is kind of all I have, but I need it. And again, it's just this care for self, care for others. Well, that's always going to be there, but we've got to, we've got to understand what that looks like now in a brand new way. Exactly. It's another pivot, right? It's kind of like what was, isn't going to work today. Right. And, um, and if all you have is 10 minutes, take them, take them. Right. And and it's minutes, a ritual, make it a routine. And, you know, if it's 10 minutes every day or even something that you're doing weekly, you add to that later and you add to that later. But the nice thing about this idea of polarities and tensions, we're not talking 50-50. We don't need to meet in the middle. You know, a well-managed polarity might be incredibly weighted on care for others. You just got to make sure there's a healthy dose of care for self. Exactly. And yep. 10 minutes can actually be game-changing. Yeah, exactly. It's just don't let go. Don't right? drop it. Don't let go. Yeah. And I think sometimes, too, we don't acknowledge the things we are doing to take care of ourselves. Right. There are things that we're doing that we might just might not recognize is really supporting us as an individual or is helping us. And so sometimes just pausing and thinking about that, I think, can make a difference too to acknowledge. Wait a minute. Right. Like. I am doing a couple other things that, you know, if I just lean into that a little bit more, I might get even further results from it. So it's not like creating a laundry list of things that you have to do to take care of yourself, but yeah, what's bolstering me up right now, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And how we can be learning from each other right now too. And so one thing I've really noticed in these different or organization work, group work is people are really hungry to be connected because they are more isolated too. And we can teach things like the 10 minute tea tip, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the other probably most significant, one of the most significant polarities, crux polarities that is occurring right now um, is the health and economy polarity, right? Like that is the mother polarity right now. I mean, it's been there forever, right? But right now it's, it's, Critical. And we're just so fortunate that we're going to have Barry, um, we're going to be interviewing Barry tomorrow about that Mm -hmm. crux polarity. And there's just so much to dive into there, right? And just to think about and to open up for people. And so we're just really hopeful that will be helpful for people to hear from him about that. So, geez, we're wrapping up. I mean, this has just been fabulous. It's been amazing. <laughs> I could just sit here all day and talk to you. <laughs> Our listeners probably can't listen all day, but um, but let's just close, um, Tim, with you know what what really is your greatest hope right now for leaders uh, of tomorrow? Oh, what a what a big question! <laughs> I, you know, I. I believe that everyone comes into this world with the desire to make a difference, um, to live a life of significance. Some of us um, have the privilege of being able to respond to that more than others. Some people actually deliberately kind of choose courage to try to live that out more every day. And 
Um, I would feel right now that, you know, going back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago, in a world right now that's quite polarized and has settled for binary kind of being the only option, um, I'm hopeful, especially for the difference makers, especially for those people who are just committed to keep going against the current, that they're going to see just this beauty of, of both and thinking, of um, seeing things from, you know, a polarity perspective and realizing that, um, you know, they don't have to choose a side, that they're actually able to reach more people, to have more impact by embracing this beautiful gift um, of tension. And uh, again, I think we're learning, we're going to learn the hard way, but we're going to learn. And, uh, and, I'm, and that excites me. Yeah, yeah, it is exciting. It is. Oh, I agree with Tracy. We could sit here and talk with you all day long. Um, and I just, just, I guess to closing comments for me, I think, uh, I think you just have brought such a gift to our listeners because you've learned it, you've applied it, you, you know, it, it you've demonstrated just in our conversation how it's applicable to everything. And, um, and so I just really want to thank you, Tim, for spending this time with Tracy and I to discuss polarities and the significance that they bring to the world. Yeah. Oh, it's just been, yeah, it, it just gives me hope, right? Yeah. When I connect with other people who can see the power yeah. of this and who just have a gift, I think you have a you have a real gift for explaining it in a very simplistic way, in a way that opens people up to see this isn't some big, huge thing that really at the base of it all, it's really pretty simple. Um, and and I just love your stand around, you know, you just got to go all in on this because this is life-changing, is fundamental. And I appreciate you bringing that perspective to our listeners as well. So, My pleasure. And uh, I've been big fans of your ongoing work and how you're committed to continue to bring this to more and more people. So stay with it. You guys are doing such great work. It's been really inspiring. Thanks so Thank much. You. Thank you. You have a great day and stay strong, safe, healthy, and the Absolutely. same to your family, right? Thank you. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. Thanks as always for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We'd love to hear and answer your questions. If you have questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com and we may include your question in a future episode. You can find show notes and links at our website, www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions on our website at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast.